Hey everyone, it's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. Today I want to talk about a pitfall most entrepreneurs fall into at one time or another, especially when starting out, and how we can avoid this and accelerate the time it takes for us to be successful in business. Let's get started. you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who are willing to settle for just a nine to five job. You're one of the heroes in our society and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe and welcome home. Hey everyone, I hope you're having an awesome day today. In the last episode, we talked about the three different types of buyers and how we can market to each one most effectively. Today, I want to talk about a really simple concept. Although simple, I think that our egos as entrepreneurs sometimes get the best of us and we forget about this. And that concept is modeling. Modeling the most successful strategies and entrepreneurs and business and and stop trying to figure out things for ourselves. So we're clear what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about trying different things, and being committed to failing as many times as it takes to succeed. I mean, that attitude is actually critical in business and in life in general. I mean, thank God a guy like Thomas Edison didn't give up after iteration 999 and the creation of a light bulb. We might still be using candles at this point. What I'm talking about are the situations in business where we can borrow ideas from other entrepreneurs, businesses, and things in our daily lives in general. You know, by nature, I'm not a real particularly creative person, and I don't have a lot of original ideas in business or in life for that matter. You know, you won't find me inventing the next widget that changes the world. You know, and even if you look at, uh, quote, inventors, less than 5% of them statistically actually file patents for their inventions. And less than 1% of those who file patents ever make any money or turn their patent into some kind of money making machine. So that means that 99% of those people who are Serious enough about their ideas, never actually even make any money off them. You know, not odds that most of us in business would like. And we'd be better off going to Vegas and hoping to win big. And I believe that in business and probably in life in general, that the vast majority of us are not going to create the next big thing that, you know, we're sitting around coming up with great ideas. But, you know, I mean, ideas are worth nothing in the marketplace unless acted upon, of course. And there's got to be also substantial demand for that idea. I mean, look at it this way. If there's a a hundred ideas out there that you think could be acted on in business and 20 of those ideas are already being used successfully by other businesses, which is better to focus on the 80 that's remaining or the 20? Well, on the surface, it would make sense that, you know, hey, no one's doing the other 80 so you can go through them and try all of them and hope one works. I mean, that's an extremely time consuming and resource consuming way of doing it. I mean, you could try all 80 of those and could take your whole lifetime. I mean, you might get lucky, but it's more likely that none of them are going to work out and you'll never have success. However, if you take a look at the other 20 ideas and think, hmm, well, that's a good idea. You know, I'm going to model what's already working for this business and then tweak it so that it fits what I see as a gap in the demand of the marketplace for that particular idea. Note the wording I just used. I'm not talking about copying exactly what other businesses are doing. I mean, that just gets you into a me too competition and a race to the bottom in price while competing with the established businesses. You know, it's definitely not copying the exact same thing another business is doing, you know, except maybe if you're buying a franchise and you're actually paying for the privilege of copying that successful set of processes from another business. And, you know, as I mentioned, I'm not creative at all and rarely have a unique idea. In fact, you know, when I take those online IQ tests, I'm either on the, uh, you know, challenged end of the spectrum or whatever the 
politically correct term is, uh, you know, and then, you know, or I'm a genius. And this never seems to be in the middle for some reason. But over the years, I've actually learned the skill of taking other businesses and other people's ideas and tweaking them to work for my business. Again, this is an acquired skill. It's not a natural thing and or definitely not for me. But you don't have to be a rocket scientist, which should be very comforting for most of us. I mean, I consider myself of average intelligence. And, you know, if you look at it, a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs, uh, ones I've met and ones you read about, you know, they're not geniuses either, nor are most of them, you know, super creative. In fact, it's very rare that you find those creative types. What they are good, though, is modeling success from people and other businesses that are already successful and don't spend time trying to create something that no one's ever created before. You know, they might stumble onto something or, you know, recognize, you know, a need in the marketplace, but rarely do they set out trying to reinvent the wheel. We probably all have a relative, you know, who works as an employee and spent their whole life in that role working for others. But, you know, it's amazing to me how some of these people love to give advice as to what we should do in business, for instance. You know, if you've never run a business successfully and made a lot of money, you know, why should we be listening to them? I mean, you have to be applied, of course, but that's the equivalent of hiring a personal trainer who's out of shape. You can't teach what you aren't living and experiencing in your own life. I remember when I was a cadet at West Point, I had professors that, you know, they taught classes on, you know, investing and, you know, theoretical stuff and some business concepts, but they were all academics. It never really made sense to me to listen to someone who just studied how success works and versus, you know, actually being successful in the real world. But okay, so that was kind of a, a tangent, but uh, this kind of thing's always driven me nuts when I see this. So, I mean, this has been pretty conceptual up to this point, but how does this practically work in our business? I think the first way it applies is that we have to guard ourselves against thinking we know how to do something that we've never done before. I mean, that seems obvious and simple, but if we're considering implementing a new strategy, let's say a new campaign to cold call a group of, you know, potential prospects for our business, what tends to happen is we sit back and think, hmm, okay, well, I need a list of people to call. Uh, I'll just pick these industries and revenue brackets because, you know, on the surface, that makes sense to me. You know, I'll use this, you know, particular way of doing uh, a script, you know, when I call because, you know, again, it makes sense to me. Uh, and then uh, let's get on the phone and do it, you know. Uh, and this sounds like a good idea, but I mean, we know our business and, you know, we can have a good quality conversation with a prospect if they listen to us. You know, and over time, if we make enough calls, we get chewed out enough, we get cut off enough, you know, we're able to end up uh, closing a few deals and, and figure out what seems to work the best and, you know, is the most effective. However, the, the problem is that this takes time and a lot of time normally. I mean, let's say you took a year or two to get really good at this, and that's being generous. And during this time, you read all the books, went to, you know, some seminars or whatever, and learned from, you know, mostly the school of hard knocks. I mean, yippee, you did it. But, you know, what if, however, you brought in an expert who'd been on the phone for 30 years closing prospects? You worked side by side with that person, watching what they're doing and modeling what they do on each call. I mean, I bet you could learn a lot from that person and model everything they do in a matter of weeks. And you'd be where you were in a, in a year of trial and error in a couple months at most. I mean, how much money would that make you, in, you know, to speed up your time to profitability? Quite a bit, you know, depending on your exact scenario. Hopefully you can see how learning directly from someone or more specifically modeling exactly what they do can vastly speed up your time to success. You know, I've been a fan of Tony Robbins for, you know, 30 years at least. And, you know, that's, I think, one of his biggest contributions uh, to personal development is to get us to focus on finding out what other people are doing that makes them successful and then doing the same things to get the same results. Okay, so you say, great, well, you know, I get that I can learn more and quicker from an expert than my mother-in-law, you know, although you better listen to her. Um, and that's true, but 
you know, this is where we need to take it further uh, in, when it comes to business. As I talked about, trying to be super creative in business is just asking for failure as the likelihood of coming up with an original idea that is successful is very slim. I'm not saying you can't pursue those ideas, but, you know, don't bet your business survival on some creative idea that you came up with. When you look at your marketplace and competition, you know, I think one of the best things you can do to start off with is to look at your, what all your top competitors are doing, you know, evaluating how they are conducting their business, uh, and then, you know, figure out how you can apply some of the same principles and strategies. Again, we're not talking about copying your competitors. That'll either get you sued or just in a position in the marketplace to compete solely on price, which you definitely don't want. It'll end in disaster, in my opinion. We're talking about looking at your competitors, maybe, you know, looking at the top three in the marketplace and then analyzing them very closely to find out why they're successful. I mean, there is a reason why they have market share. We need to figure out the concepts behind the why and take those strategies and concepts and improve and tweak them and then apply them to our company. If we're just starting out, you know, with a wholesale company, for instance, we look around and see our top competitors are spending most of their time with a specific type of customer or industry. You know, maybe that's a hint we should be doing the same thing as well, but, you know, probably with a different angle. What we're doing is taking the concepts that make our competitors successful and applying them to our own business, which drastically cuts down on the trial and error factor and therefore the time it'll take us to succeed. So the first step I think we need to do is model the best aspects of our competitors. But how do you take this further? I mean, maybe there are other ways your competitors, you know, what they're doing and, you know, maybe they're missing something. And if you're not trying to be creative and just model their success, you're kind of limited by their level of success to an extent. So there's another side to this also that I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel fall prey to and ignore the goldmine that's right there. For instance, there's plenty of masterminds out there, and I, I think they're a fantastic way to learn from your peers in business. I mean, there's always a ton you can learn from other entrepreneurs. What seems to me most common uh, is to have industry-specific masterminds. For instance, you know, if you're in commercial insurance, you might have an all-commercial insurance agency owner mastermind with, you know, different agency owners from all over the country. I mean, this certainly has its place, but I think you can do even better than that. I actually love masterminds and groups where everyone or most of the members are in different industries. You know, you would think that an insurance agency owner could learn more and, you know, maybe from another owner than that or they've been doing it longer in a different part of the country or whatever. You know, and that's true to an extent, but, you know, there's one problem. Both of the agency owners are exposed to the same training materials, same vendors, same process of marketing, same type of internal team, and so on. It's very easy to fall into groupthink, and new ideas are hard to come by in this kind of situation. However, if you're in a mastermind group that has entrepreneurs in all different industries, I think you'll find a huge value there as well, maybe more than just the same industry. Now, why is this? I mean, because this applies to networking groups and all kinds of other things where you're involved with your peers. I mean, this is where you get a, you know, to be pseudo creative and coming up with ideas to try in your business. Whenever you look at another successful business, you can look at it and say, hmm, what are they doing that I could use our, uh, as a version in our business and tweak it a little bit? And I've had some clients say to me over the years, well, I need to be, you know, in a mastermind for my own industry because my industry is very specialized and other industry techniques don't apply. But with all due respect, I mean, duh, of course, they don't apply directly apple to apple. But, you know, the principles, though, from any successful business can be modeled to fit and improve every other business. We try to make business way too complex. And it's actually very simple when you break it down. We're all in business to make money and serve our customers. And, and we have much more in common across business types and industries than we typically think about. Let's uh, take a, a real uh, simple example. You know, in my daily life, uh, you know, maybe it's just habit or a fascination of mine. but Whenever I see a business, you know, my first thought is, how are they making money? I think, okay, you know, for instance, they're selling yogurt. How many yogurts, you know, are they selling per day? 
how many people are coming into the store per day? What's the cost of uh, the product uh, of the yogurt? How much does their location lease run and so on? You know, how do they actually get to the profit in the bottom line? You know, I mean, I think it's truly fascinating to try to figure out what businesses are doing and how they make their money. But and my company, of course, does cold calling and follow up and email marketing for businesses, you know, uh, for our clients that sell to other businesses, B2B. And, uh, you know, that's pretty far away from a yogurt shop, as you can imagine. But I was in the yogurt shop around the corner from my house the other day with my daughter. And, you know, I happened to notice the layout. I mean, as you walk in, they had, you know, all the toppings displayed in sort of an enticing enclosure on the right. But you had to walk past them to get to the self-serve yogurt machines with all the flavors, you know, all the way back to get a cup, you know, to start filling up the yogurt. So in a sense, we, before we even got to the cup of the yogurt, we had to walk by and see and smell the toppings, see the pictures of the ingredients and the yogurt flavors. You know, we basically experienced a taste of what the final product would be. You know, it occurred to me that they're either knowingly or unknowing was doing was warming me up and getting me excited about the sale. And they got me experiencing, uh, you know, the purchase of the yogurt before I even really started the process. You know, and you think about the opposite. What if I walked in and, you know, on the right were the cups, then next were the yogurt machines, uh, but I had to go through the line not knowing which one to pick since I hadn't seen all the choices. Finally, I would get to the end and, you know, see, you know, and smell and salivate over the toppings. You know, you can probably see that the, the difference there. They were set up to have the customer experience the product before they started buying. And they started getting my emotions involved by having the senses pick up the toppings and I literally started salivating over the anticipation and the excitement of getting to the flavors and the toppings. Marking it to get the emotional response they wanted me to have long before I even had to commit to the sale and started filling a cup. Okay, so I'm sure you're sitting here thinking, you know, what does this possibly do with, you know, business ideas that I could implement in a B2B cold calling and marketing firm? Well, stick with me for a minute. You know, after this experience and thinking about what happened, I started to think, you know, how could I apply this to my business? You know, it's not an easy comparison in this service, but, you know, if you dig and think about it, it can pay off. I mean, it made me think, you know, how could I get our prospects and customers to experience our product and service, you know, emotionally long before they tried to, we tried to close them for the sale? You know, there are, you know, a variety of ways we could trigger emotion like this yogurt shop. Obviously, we can't copy exactly what the yogurt shop is doing, but we can model them. And I'm actually working with my team on this right now. We're looking at things that'll give the prospect uh, an experience that replicates what it's like to work with us. Their emotions start to become involved at this point. We're working on other things uh, using similar principles that I won't go into, but they all have the same principle, letting our customers experience and develop that anticipation in them towards our service. And so that's a you know, very simplistic example, but I wanted to give you an idea of you know, what you can learn from seemingly totally unrelated industries and even types of businesses. So this is a lot, but it you know, really boils down to a, a few simple steps to implement this mentality in your business. First, stop trying to be creative and invent the next big thing that nobody knows about. Two, you know, instead of reinventing the wheel, identify who in your marketplace is already having success. This could be your competitors or even businesses in totally different industries. Three, model those existing uh, strategies, those successful ones, and see how you can apply the same concepts to your business. I mean, don't copy them exactly because you just get into a price war driven by a commodity and you really have no way to stand out, but model them. Last, always be on the lookout for what other companies are doing, especially those in different industries from yours. You know, you can learn from successful companies and you can learn from companies that are doing poorly. Take that information and see if there's a way to apply the same concepts to your business. Remember, speed in business and in life is one of the keys to success. 
if we want to shortcut the road to success, we need to model those who are already successful instead of doing trial and error and taking years to figure out how to succeed in business. I hope this resonates and you can see how this process can help you grow your business faster than trudging away for years and beating your head against the wall trying different strategies. Thanks for your time and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform and give me your honest feedback. Also, I put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years owning a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. 